It's a wee while since we've been here and we've been uh, missing you folks. So it's good to be back and uh, to see you again and to see uh, one or two faces that I don't <laughs> recognise. Mind you, that might be partly because I'm hardly seeing you. Well, no, that's not true. I'm seeing a huge congregation this morning because I'm seeing two or three of each of you. I'm uh, in the middle of uh, some cataract surgery and I've had one eye done, the other one's still to be done, so things are a wee bit blurred, but it's great to be here uh, with you this morning. Our Bible reading is in Romans chapter 8, and we'll read from verse 31 down to verse 39. Romans 8 and at verse 31, <coughs> well-known passage of Scripture. Paul has been speaking earlier about uh, God's blessings to us, his, his help to us in difficult places. He says at verse 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And verse 31, what then shall we say in response to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. May God bless to us that reading of his inspired word. And we sing now the song, Amazing Grace. My notes are a wee bit bigger print uh, than usual. In fact, if I held them up, you could probably read them from there and I wouldn't need to preach at all. Most uh, psychologists agree that one of our most basic human needs is the need for security. So I want to ask you this morning, how secure do you feel in life? What, what is it that gives you a sense of security? There have been a spate of burglaries recently where my daughter lives. So my son-in-law has fitted the very latest security locks 
to his doors. I thought there were pretty good locks that he had. It's a reasonably new house. But he told me uh, not so long ago that uh, skilled burglars can get through these security locks in a matter of seconds. Uh, and so he, he decided to put in the very latest that were available and also he installed a new up-to-date burglar alarm. And many of us, I'm sure, would do the same in these kind of circumstances. But it's worth asking ourselves, where does our security lie? Is it in these security systems, security alarms, security programs that we put on our computers uh, to, to, to guard us uh, in this technological world? Where does our security lie? Does it lie in the material things that we possess? Does it lie in our savings and our property? Does it lie in our relationships and our family life? What is it that makes us feel secure in life? Paul reminds us that the life we have as believers is a life that is hidden with Christ in God. Why don't, you, why don't we say out these words together, that verse that's on the screen, speak them out as loudly as you can, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Let's try it again. Be convinced about it. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I want you to say it again just to yourself this time, but in the first person, if we can just change these words slightly and put it in the first person and say, I died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. Say that to yourself. I died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God. How do we know that? Because God says so. He says so in his word. That's what he says, that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And so we need to let our outward life match what is true, but may still be hidden. So what is the basis of our security? That's the first thing to ask ourselves. You may have seen uh, some of these uh, television programs, Who Do You Think You Are?, uh, some fairly hard-nosed personalities have been very moved as they have traced their ancestry and realized the conditions that some of their ancestors have lived in as they kind of realize the stock that they have come out of, maybe never been fully aware of it before. I remember, and those of you who saw the program might remember as well, the one that Jeremy Paxman now, he's a pretty hard-nosed interviewer, and he, I'm sure, has brought a few people to tears in his lifetime as he's questioned them and probed about different things. But uh, he was in tears in that program over the poverty that his maternal great-grandmother had lived in, grown up in, and raised a family in. He had never realized that before, and it moved him to tears as he thought about his ancestry. Well, what if your father had never been born? Would you have been born? 
What if your grandfather had never been born? Would your father have existed? The fact that your father and grandfather existed is the basis of you being here and my being here. It's a blood relationship that exists between us and our ancestors. Now, once I was born, was there anything I could have done to change my relationship with my father? It was a blood relationship. I could have left home and never spoken to him again, but I would still have been his son, wouldn't I? As you would as well. I could have changed my name to say I didn't like the name Gunn, my father's name. I could have changed my name, but I would still have been his son. Nothing can ever change that human relationship. But was there something I could have done that would have stopped me living in harmony with my father? Of course. <laughs> There's any number of things that I could have done that would have broken the harmony of that relationship. I could have rebelled uh, about the way I was being brought up. I could have been very selfish in my attitudes. I could have been disobedient. There are lots of things that could have marred the harmony of the relationship, but nothing could have stopped me being my father's son. Nothing. And now that I'm a Christian, of course, I have another relationship as well. Not only have I been born once physically of a human father and mother, but I've been born again spiritually, born of God. And that's true for every one of us who is a Christian this morning, every one of us who is here as a believer trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. We are children of God, not because we've been born of human parents. There are many people who think that we're all God's children anyway, but we are not all God's children anyway. Only those who come into his family through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are his children. That's what John says in the first chapter of uh, his gospel, John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You weren't that before, but once you believe in him, you have the right to be called children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God is my Father. If you're a Christian, God is your Father. Can anything make me lose that relationship? No. Just as nothing can make me lose the relationship with my human father, it's a blood relationship, Nothing can make me lose the relationship that we have with God, our spiritual Father, our heavenly Father, because I'm born of God. I am His child. But can anything make me lose the harmony, the joy 
of that relationship with God my Father. Of course, any number of things can make me lose the joy of that relationship. Rebellion, selfishness, same kind of things. Disobedience can all get me out of harmony with my Heavenly Father, but nothing can get me out of the security of the family relationship. Nothing can change the fact that you are a child of God, that I am a child of God. That is the basis of our security. Nothing else. This is absolutely crucial for you and me. You see, our security does not depend on how we behave. It does not even depend on us being in living fellowship with God. We may have done something that has marred that, and God seems far away, but we are still His child, His son, His daughter, and our security lies in that not how we behave, but who we are, who we are, sons and daughters of God. But of course, knowing who we are, knowing that we are God's children, will affect the way we behave. John says about that in his first letter at the back of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, says John. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And he adds this, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. So, yes, we will want to live godly lives. We will want to please the Father. But what is the basis of your security and mine today? It is not our location. It's not where we live, though some places are much more secure than others. That's true. It's not location. It's not our vocation either. Job situations can change sometimes very quickly and unexpectedly. That's not where our security lies. Nor does it lie in our possessions, because material things can quickly disappear. They don't last forever. And yet the truth is, these are the areas where many people are looking for their security these days. Paul's test about this was a very significant one in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. You remember what he says? To me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, he says, I'm living for Christ, therefore dying is going to be gain for me. Put anything else into that formula and see what happens. I'm living for my career, then to die is going to be loss because you won't take your career with you. I'm living for material possessions, then to die is going to be loss because you'll leave them behind. I'm living for my family, even there to die will be loss. 
I'm living for Christ. To die is gain because I will see him as he is. The basis of our security is a blood relationship. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. It was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ. What is the basis of our security today? It is the fact that you are a child of God, that I am a child of God. Never forget that. But we have to admit there are always threats to our security. All sorts of things can threaten our security. I've just said that a a blood relationship cannot be altered, but other relationships can. And many people find themselves very insecure when significant relationships in life get broken. Relationships of friendship or work or marriage, when these get broken, we can be made to feel very insecure. So we might say that desertion threatens our security. And by that, I want to include things like redundancy and unemployment, of course, bereavement, and the awfulness of human loss. Of course, that threatens our security. But look at what God says. He is our Father, and He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will not desert you. You will not be left alone. Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God says in the Old Testament, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's Jeremiah 29. Without that assurance that God is my Father, that I am a child of God, without that assurance, then, of course, any kind of personal loss is going to threaten my security. Danger also threatens my security. That's kind of obvious, I guess. Remember back in 2001, the security of the United States was hugely challenged, threatened by the 9-11 bombing of the Twin Towers. Since then, of course, there have been many other terrorist activities around the world, in London, in Madrid, in Paris, in Munich, and on a Tunisian beach, many terrorist atrocities. And so people have become hesitant about visiting some of the big cities in Europe and in other parts of the world, or or going to holiday resorts in Egypt or in parts of North Africa. Very hesitant about it because our security is threatened by danger. Paul knew that. Listen to this. Remember when he said this, when he wrote to the Corinthians, the second letter to Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I have been exposed to death, not just once, again and again. Five times 
I received from the Jews the 39 lashes. Many people died once from the 39 lashes. Five times he had been punished like that. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's the Roman punishment. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. Think Paul knew the threat of danger? (laughs) I think he sure did. Many, many times in his life. But did the dangers he faced and the hardship and the humiliation he suffered ever separate him from the love of God? No, they did not. For I am convinced, he says in that passage we read in Romans 8, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's people often have to face hardship and pain and suffering. And most of us will have suffered something of that nature in our lives, no doubt. But because of our relationship with God, we have an eternal security that cannot be overcome by the calamities of this life. And as a pastor, over many years, I've seen again and again this truth being worked out in people's lives in the midst of of unbelievable suffering and, and, and trials that people have had to go through. Tremendous not just physical pain, but emotional pain, mental anguish. I've seen again and again an incredible peace and security in their lives coming from a deep conviction that God will not let them go, that he will not forsake them. And I pray that for each one of us today, that we would, that we would live in the strength of that security I am a child of God. That is, that is above and beyond all that can go on in this world and in our lives. This is the rock on which I stand. This is the anchor that holds my life. Desertion, danger. But what about the spiritual threat to our security that comes from the devil himself? Peter in 1 Peter 5 reminds us that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But even he, with all his tricks, cannot ultimately separate us from God because the one who is in us is stronger than the one who is in the world. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I, I, I love that verse because it, it's telling us that we are, we are uh, doubly wrapped for security. <laughs> I remember an old bread advert. I don't know if it was Beatty's or whose bread it was, but that, that was their advert. The bread was double wrapped for freshness. You and I are double wrapped for security. We're held in the hand of Christ and we're held in the hand of God the Father. The security we have in Christ meets the threats that come from desertion, from danger, and from the devil himself. And not only that, but this finally, God has given us a guarantee of this security. It's not just hot air. He has given us a guarantee of our security, and that guarantee, of course, is the Holy Spirit himself. He is God's seal of security in your life and mine. Ephesians chapter 1. The Word says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the deposit, the seal, guaranteeing your security in Christ Jesus. Now, Valentine's Day is coming. I hope you know that. The shops already are reminding us of that fact. Some of you will have noticed that, I'm sure. It's, uh, let me confess, it is uh, many years since I last sent a Valentine card. And it was to my wife, honestly, but it's quite a long time uh, since. Uh, Many years ago, Morrigan and I agreed to stop sending each other valentines, not because we don't love each other, but because we are mean Scots and we didn't want to waste our money. But I do remember in uh, days of youth, writing across the back of the valentine envelope the letters S-W-A-L-K. And some of you are nodding your heads. You remember it well. Swap. Sealed with a loving kiss. The Holy Spirit is God's loving kiss to you and me. Sealing our life. Marking us as the fathers. And guaranteeing our eternal security. This is the real triple lock. Never mind the one the government promised a few years ago to us pensioners, uh, that the pension would be held in a triple lock for security. That may or may not stand the test of time, if the truth be told. But this is the real triple lock. It's not just for old age. 
It's not just for pensioners. It's for everyone right now, here and now. Everyone who believes is in this triple lock for now and for all eternity. We are held in the hand of Christ. We are covered by the hand of God. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. What more could we ask than that? Where does your security lie today? This is where it lies. The Father's triple lock on your life. You are his child. Nothing can ever, ever change that. Praise God. Let's pray. Oh God, our Father, we thank you this morning for your love to us. Love that sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world to die as our Savior, that we might be brought back into your family. That through faith in him, we might indeed have the right to be called your children, sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Father. But that is what we are today. And thank you that nothing in heaven or earth or under the earth can change that relationship that we have with you. And Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit given to us to assure us of your love and of your presence and to enable us to live the kind of lives you want us to live, to be more and more like Jesus, to share his love, to spread his compassion wherever we go. Thank you that you hold us, Father, and you will never let us go. Amen.